Amen. Well, it is that time of year. It's really been that time of year for a couple weeks now. And truth be told, that's my favorite part about Halloween is that once Halloween is over, we are in that time of year. And we're talking about that holiday season. I love the holiday season. In our household, we almost go straight into Christmas mode once Halloween is over. It's, easy, it's easily my favorite time of year for a number of reasons. In the midst of the hustle and bustle of the holiday season, it can be tempting to gloss over Thanksgiving, especially for those dangerous households like ours who already have their Christmas tree up. Raise your hand if you live in a dangerous household like that. Yeah, a handful of us. We have to be careful not to gloss over Thanksgiving as it's an important holiday as far as what we remember and what we celebrate on Thanksgiving. And so this morning, we're going to ensure that we don't just gloss over this important holiday this morning. According to, to Britannica, it's generally believed that Thanksgiving is generally believed that Thanksgiving is modeled on a harvest feast shared between the English colonists and the Wapanog people in the year 1621. And there's some speculation on that, but fairly uh, fairly agreed upon. And, and since the New England colonists were then accustomed to regularly celebrate Thanksgivings, plural, days of prayer, thanking God. And so our national holiday of Thanksgiving has some religious roots revolving around giving thanks to God. And I think that is pretty cool to have a national holiday where we can trace some of its roots back to giving thanks to God. Now, this practice of giving thanks and gratitude is an important aspect of just being human. With gratitude, people take note of all the good things that they have going for them in their lives. The Harvard Health Publishing states, quote, in the process, people usually recognize that the source of that goodness, and talk about gratitude, lies at least partially outside themselves. As a result, being grateful also helps people connect to something larger than themselves as individuals, whether to other people, nature, or a higher power. I mean, how cool is that? Harvard recognized the effect that gratitude can have on our lives, indicating that, that it can help us connect to what, what they call a higher power, what, what I would simply call God, our, our Father. Being grateful, having this attitude of gratitude, it helps us connect to God as a lot of the good things in our life are in play because outside influences, outside of what we can control. In other words, it's what God has established for us in our lives. And so having a general attitude of gratitude, it can help us connect to God. And there's been a lot of research done recently outlining the positive effects of giving thanks. The same Harvard Health Publishing article entitled Giving Thanks to Make You Happier outlined multiple different studies on the effects of happiness. And so we're going to uh, take a look, quote just a few of these studies. In one study, they asked all participants to write a few sentences each week, focusing on particular topics. And so they broke it down into three different groups. One group wrote about things they were grateful for. 
A second group wrote about uh, daily irritations, whatever was bothering them that day. And then the third group wrote about any event that affected them with no emphasis on it being positive or negative. And so after they are doing this for 10 weeks, at the conclusion of, uh, of this study, they found that those who wrote about gratitude and, uh, and were just generally more optimistic they also felt better about their lives, which probably wouldn't come as much of a surprise to us. But on top of that, this group who, who focused on the positive things in their life, what they were grateful for, this group also experienced uh, more and, and had fewer, uh, they had fewer visits to physicians compared to those who focused on sources of aggravation. And so evidently, this group who, who were focusing on the things that they were grateful for they seem to be more healthy as well as they were taking fewer visits to the physicians. And I think that makes perfect sense as our physical health, our mental and our emotional and spiritual health, they're all interconnected. When our spiritual health is on par, when we have an A-plus in our spiritual health, that's going to affect our mental, emotional, and physical health as well. The same could be said for physical, mental, or emotional health. They are all connected. And so for 10 weeks, these people who focused on things that they were grateful for they saw an improvement in their physical health as well. The Harvard article referenced another study which tested the impact of various positive psychology interventions, so just different ways that they can make people happy, essentially, on 411 people compared with a control group who didn't go through these different experiments that can make them happy. And so when their week's assignment was to write and personally deliver a letter of gratitude to someone who had never been properly thanked for his or her kindness, participants exhibited a huge increase in happiness scores, and this impact was greater than that from any other intervention. And so any other thing that they tried to implement in, in this uh, study group and trying to make these people happy, nothing made them happier than them simply writing a thank you card and delivering it to, to someone who, had, who they had not yet thanked for. And this, this impact, these benefits, they saw lasted for a month. That's, that's pretty incredible to think about. You spend five minutes just writing a simple thank you card and hand delivering it to someone, and those five minutes, they'll reap a, a month. According to the study, they, they see these benefits, this impact lasted for a month. Yet another study in the article took a look at individuals who took time to express gratitude for their partner. And these individuals not only felt more positive toward their significant other, but they also felt more comfortable expressing concerns about their relationship. We all know communication is extremely important in any and all relationships. And those who were more open and expressing their, their grateful attitude, their grateful heart to their significant other, they were also more comfortable expressing concerns about their relationship. And then finally, the article referenced another study from the University of Pennsylvania in which they randomly divided university fundraisers into two separate groups. And so one group, they made phone calls to solicit alumni donations in the same way they always had. The second group, though, uh, assigned to work on a different day, they received a pep talk from the director of annual giving who told the fundraisers she was grateful for their efforts. And so then during the following week, the university employees who heard her message of gratitude, they made 50% more fundraising calls than those who did not. 
You know, some of us are sitting here uh, this morning wondering how, how can we get more out of our employees? What, what's the key to unlocking the potential in our employees? Well, try simply expressing gratitude for them. The, the, this group and, and who they were expressed gratitude towards, they made 50% more calls the following week compared to the group who did not receive the, this uh, recognition of gratitude. And so the research is overwhelming connecting gratitude with a number of positive effects. In each of these uh, different studies, uh, when, when we uh, look at them uh, collectively, we see that these positive impacts, it affects both the giver of gratitude and it, it affects the receiver of gratitude as well. And so the research alone really should be enough to convince us to be more grateful in our own lives. Who doesn't want to be more happy? Who doesn't want the people around them to, to be more happy and increase physical and emotional and mental spiritual health? Who doesn't want that? However, it doesn't stop there. A couple of weeks ago when talking about prayer, we read one of the shortest verses in the Bible, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, which simply states, pray without ceasing. The verse right after it, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 reads, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. And so you and I, we are instructed to give thanks in what sort of circumstances? All circumstances. In every circumstance we find ourselves in, we should be giving thanks. Thanks. We are instructed to do that. No matter what life throws at us, we can and should find ways to be grateful. You know, modern day research shows the positive impact that being grateful can have on us. And it's for reasons like that, that we are instructed to give thanks in all circumstances. As the instructions and commands that we are given throughout scripture, they are there for our own benefit. When God tells us to do something or inspires one of these authors in the scriptures to tell us to do something, it's because God loves us and God wants the best for us. Just like we would set a for, uh, we would form a set of rules for our kids. It's because we love them and we want the best for them. And so being grateful in all circumstances is the best thing for us and we are instructed to do so. And yet... I find oftentimes we may be ungrateful for the many reasons that we have to be grateful. So often in the midst of us being uh, quite spoiled, uh, we can forget to give thanks to God and forget to give thanks to those around us. We often put our focus on the things that frustrate us. We put our focus on the things that we don't have rather than the things that we do have in our lives. When we stub that one little pinky toe, we know the pain and the anguish and the anger that can cause us. And when we stub that one little pinky toe, our focus is on that one little pinky toe. And our focus is off of our nine other little toes that are perfectly fine and perfectly healthy. We put our, we put our focus on that one little stinking toe. And, and that's often is the case when we have something that frustrates us or something that we don't want that happens to us. We put our focus on this unfortunate event, unfortunate circumstance, and we put our focus on the many, many reasons in which we have to be grateful. And so this tendency to be ungrateful is nothing new. As we uh, talked about uh, in, in this last song that we sang just before uh, this message, nothing new. Solomon tells us that there is nothing new under the sun in his book of Ecclesiastes. 
And so we see this play out in the book of Luke as well. We see a group of people being ungrateful for what they had received. And this morning, we're going to take a moment to read through this story, and hopefully we can draw out lessons from this and and being better at uh, living a life of gratitude. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 17. If you don't have your Bible this morning, the words will be projected behind us as well. And so in Luke 17, we are nearing the very end of Jesus' ministry on earth before his death and resurrection. And so in Luke chapter 17, we'll be starting in verse 11. Luke writes, On the way to Jerusalem, he, being Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And so Jesus here, he was on his way to Jerusalem for the last time before his death. Jesus knew he was going to die in Jerusalem. And instead of running in the opposite direction of Jerusalem, like I would probably do, Jesus continues his march towards Jerusalem. And so on the way to Jerusalem, he finds himself in between Samaria and Galilee. And Ben, if you have uh, the map up there, of this region. Uh, and so this is uh, the map. I understand it's kind of uh, probably small for you to see, but we see the, re- the three red circles there. That's Galilee at the top, Samaria in the middle, and Judea at the bottom there. Three different regions. These are, these are the three main regions during the life and ministry of Christ Jesus. Galilee at the north, that, that top red circle there, It's important as that is the home of Jesus. Jesus is referred to as Jesus of Nazareth. Many of you guys have probably heard that. Jesus of Nazareth. Who are we talking about? We're we're talking about Christ Jesus because that was his hometown growing up. And Nazareth is found in Galilee. Samaria in the middle there, uh, it contained a group of people that did not get along well with the people of Jesus, the Jews. And we'll touch uh, base uh, more on that in a moment. And then Judea, at the, the very bottom there, the, the bottom red circle, that's the home to Jerusalem. And that absolutely is a hotbed of Jewish activity. And so Jesus, somewhere in between Galilee and Samaria, the, the top two red circles, while making his way down to Jerusalem, Jerusalem down near the bottom in Judea. And so we continue here in verse 12 of Luke chapter 17. And Luke writes, And as he entered a village... He was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And so Jesus on his way to Jerusalem, this bold, triumphant journey on his way to Jerusalem, knowing this is where he is going to die. All of a sudden, he was confronted by 10 people who had leprosy. Now, leprosy is a disease that damages the skin, nerves, limbs, and eyes. It, was, it is extremely contagious, and it was greatly feared during the time of Jesus and beforehand. This uh, disease, leprosy, it was feared so much that people weren't uh, just known as people who had leprosy. They, they were simply known as lepers. They, they were identified by this disease that they had because people were so fearful of this disease of leprosy. And according to Le- Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46, people with leprosy, they were to live outside the camp or, or a more a modern translation, more modern uh, circumstance during the time of Jesus. They were to live outside the city or the town. And so these people who had leprosy, these lepers, they were to live alone while they had leprosy so that they didn't infect those around them. And so here we have a cluster of lepers who are living outside of the normal boundaries of society. 
They had to separate themselves from their friends, their jobs, their homes, their children, their spouses, their parents, you name it. They, they had to separate themselves from all that they knew. It was a seriously debilitating disease, not just because of dealing with this uh, skin disease, but because of the limits that society put on you if you came down with this disease. And so these people living with this seriously debilitating disease, they approach Jesus. They see Jesus coming, and this is near the end of Jesus' ministry. And so word is spreading a bit about Jesus and who he is, this man who performs many miracles and many wonders. And they uh, identify Jesus. They call him master. Have mercy on us. As they recognize the trauma, the hardship that they are going through dealing with this uh, intense disease of leprosy. And so what does Jesus do? Well, through the power that God gave him, Jesus was able to heal all 10 lepers. It's not clear how long these people had leprosy, but after this fight with leprosy, they were finally able to return to their homes, to their jobs, to their friends and their families. What a stark difference this healing would have made in the lives of these 10 lepers. Praise God, God is in the business of healing. And so my question then is how do these 10 lepers respond? How do they respond to, to the, the grace of God, the grace of Jesus here as they were healed from this disease? We receive their response in verses 15 through 19 as Luke writes, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And so 10 people, 10 people came down with this intense disease. They weren't able to be around their homes, their families, their jobs, you name it. All of a sudden, they're able to return to all that they previously knew because of this miraculous healing. And yet we find that only one of the 10 returned to Christ Jesus to give him thanks for what he had done. And this man just so happened to be a Samaritan. And what I find really cool is that there was at least one Samaritan mixed in with what we would assume to be the other Jews as uh, Jesus singled out this guy as a foreigner. And so we can assume that these other uh, people who were healed, they were Jews. They were of the people of Jesus. And so here we see at least one Samaritan living with a group of Jews. And the Jews and the Samaritans, they did not get along with each other at all. The book of Sirach, a, a Jewish writing written in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's about a 400-year gap between the Old and the New Testament. Uh, there were uh, some writings that were being distributed in between this gap. One of those books was known as the book of Sirach, written from the uh, Jewish perspective. It's a book that's actually included in a Catholic Bible. You know, some of you guys may be familiar with the fact that the Catholic Bible has a few additional books, apocryphal books, included in their canon, in their Bible. But in this book of Sirach that we don't necessarily uh, believe is divinely uh, inspired, but in this book of Sirach from a Jewish perspective, the author writes in Sirach 50, uh, 25 through 26, he says, two nations my soul detests, and the third is not even a people. Those who live in Seir and in the Philistines and the foolish people that live, that live in Shechem. 
Now, the book of Sirach ran from a Jewish perspective. So he talked about two people that they absolutely detest. They detest the people of Seir, and they detest the people of the Philistines. However, the foolish people that live in Shechem, they did not even consider a people. And these people who lived in Shechem, they were the Samaritans. Shechem within this uh, Samaritan uh, region, the region of Samaria. And so these Jews, they could not stand the Samaritans one little bit. The, the people of Samaria, originally a part of Israel, who mixed with the foreign nations. And so these 10 people were outcasts in their society because of their disease. But these 10 people, they sought community together in the midst of their difficulty of dealing with leprosy. And they were able to overcome their differences of ethnicity, of, of nationality, even though their two people groups did not get along together one little bit. For the sake of this difficulty that they were enduring, they all came together in one community as these 10 lepers came together to approach Jesus for this healing. You know, I think when we're going through rough times, difficult times throughout our lives, I think all the more do we need to surround ourselves with a loving community where we can settle our differences and we can come together in the midst of trial and tribulation. And so as the Samaritan returns, he gives praise to God and thanks Jesus. And so the Samaritan recognized the role that both God and Jesus played in this healing. What about the other nine who were healed? Uh, most likely nine other Jews. After, after their lives were changed because of this healing from Jesus, the king of the Jews, they failed to come back and thank Jesus. And I think this is pretty representative of mankind. So often when we get what we want, we never come back to the source and give thanks. We can be grateful, ungrateful to one another, and we can also be ungrateful to God himself. And so rather than being ungrateful to those around us and God, I think we need to give thanks in all circumstances. We need to give thanks both above and around. We need to give thanks to the being who is above, God, Yahweh, our Heavenly Father. And we also need to give thanks to those around us as well, the people that we rub shoulders with day in and day out. Modern research shows a type of positive impact on the giver and the receiver of gratitude. And so we need to step up to the plate and we need to give thanks in all circumstances. And what a great reminder we have this week as we celebrate Thanksgiving to give thanks in all circumstances. And there are a number of ways that we can give thanks above and around us. We give thanks above to, to God, our Heavenly Father. We give thanks to Him in our prayers. We can keep a gratitude journal that we keep between just God and ourselves and just constantly having Him on our mind. To give thanks to those around us, we could simply just say uh, the phrase, thank you, uh, to the people that we rub shoulders with. We can give some sort of appreciation gift. We can write a thank you card to someone. And that's what we're going to do here in a moment as, as we close out the, this message this morning. I considered, I considered giving you all thank you cards for you to uh, write later at home. However, knowing how I would respond and probably many of you, uh, we would leave that card on our desk or nightstand for a while waiting to be written and then we'd never actually uh, go about writing it and delivering it. And so instead, we're, we're going to keep you guys here for a few minutes longer. We're going to give you all time, a few minutes to write a thank you card right now. You can 
Write a thank you card to your spouse, your parents, your friends, your coworkers, your employee, or whoever, someone uh, you're sitting beside here at church, whomever. I don't care who you write this thank you card, but I encourage you, inspire you, I challenge you to, to write this thank you card simply expressing your feelings of gratitude to whomever it may be, and then actually follow through and deliver this letter as well. Modern research shows the type of impact it can have on you as you give this thank you letter. And research also indicates that the type of positive impact it can have on the receiver of this card. But what's more important than modern research showing the positive impacts, we have commanded in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we're commanded to give thanks in all circumstances. And I don't know what you're going through. Some of us are going through hard times. We're struggling with our physical health. We're struggling with our mental, emotional, spiritual health. We're all going through various trials and tribulations that nobody else here knows about. But in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our trials and tribulations, we are to give thanks. Because no matter what you are going through, you have a million, you have an infinite number of reasons to be thankful for just simply being a child of God, simply being someone made in the image of God. So we're going to give you guys here a few minutes. You can go ahead and write your thank you card. And for our parents who have kids in a junior church, uh, they can receive a thank you card as well. I'd encourage you to do so. And I'd encourage you to sit down with them uh, when you get home from church and provide help where help is needed for them to write a thank you card as well. Give thanks in all circumstances. It'll bless you, the giver. It'll bless the receiver at the other end of the gratitude that you express. In more simple terms, we're instructed to do so. Why? Because God wants the best for you. He knows what's best for you. Because of that, he instructs us to give thanks in all circumstances. And so I hope you follow through with writing this card, whether you're not finished yet or not, and finish writing it up and deliver it to the recipient of the card and a simple way for you to express thanksgiving, gratitude in all circumstances. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for this day that you have made. Father, we have an infinite number of reasons to be thankful towards you. And God, I just pray that you help us, you encourage us, you inspire us to give thanks in all circumstances and to help us focus on the many ways in which you bless us. So God, we love you. We thank you. We thank your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.